Brain Sandwich, episode 14, the jingle episode. Jingle all the way. say who was going to do the intro you or me uh i'll do it rock paper scissors for it no too late uh, i already decided uh, 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 paper uh, <laughs> then i would have lost <laughs> go well, ahead justin go, no pressure well don't go interrupt ahead. me no get it going no, no what all right okay 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 ready go ready count me down three two we uh one and a half oh shoot go <laughs> oh gosh Welcome everybody to Code Word. No, no, wrong podcast. <laughs> Oopsie, that's my other one. <laughs> it's because I do the intro. With I'm going to charge Aaron three hundred dollars for that one. <laughs> Slut. Welcome, welcome everybody to Brain Sandwich. I can't believe you did that. You're such I'm an asshole. I'm sorry. This because that's the same exact way that I say. It with well, the other then one. don't do it. I'm. Sorry. What are you, a one hack pony? <laughs> one, one trick. Hack. One hack. One trick pony. You're a hack. That's I'm what a, I'm trying to. I'm get a. At. I'm a one pony trick hack. <laughs> okay. Ah, wine. Somebody's getting slizzled. Not beer today. Um, but yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening to. Oh, I almost did it again. <laughs> <laughs> Stop doing that voice. Do something okay. more outrageous. Outrageous. <laughs> outrageous. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to Brain Sandwich, the podcast where we teach you funny things, but uh, well, also. No, shit, I fucked that up. You should do the intro. Oh, my God. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Brain Sandwich, the podcast that caresses your soul and tickles your booty. 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 Society, culture, tech, news, stuff. Anything that's on our minds. Yeah. For episodes and more VIP exclusive access, go to brainsandwich.com. Brainsandwich.com. Brain, S-A-M-I-C-H, dot com. Com. Woo. Yeah, you can go there. You can sign up for our emailing list um, that you'll get special secret episodes. Secret. Perks and We're rewards. calling it the Club Sandwich, so come and join the club. All the cool kids are doing it. Um, usually there'll be a pop-up um, that will pop I got up. rid of the pop-up. Oh, it's just there. the... Yeah, now it's the straight flat bar. Just go to brainsandwich.com right there at the top. Yeah, it'll be at the top of the page. Chot in your little email there, and uh, every week you'll get a special extra episode that only you will receive. On Tuesdays. And it's more of a free flow, not general topics, just kind of Uncensored, us. off the cuff. Yeah, us just being us. Republican, Democrat, hating sons of mm-hmm. bitches, just going at it. Because we got the normal episodes, the big long ones. Long Mondays and ones. Wednesdays. Woohoo. Uh, they're a little bit more structured. They're about general topics that we pick and prep and stuff like that. Then the Friday episodes are a little bit more loose, but we still generally talk about something. Some nice subjects. And then the Club Sandwich episodes, that's just balls to the walls, ain't natural. Sweaty balls to the walls. <laughs> that's a free-range, organic uh, conversation. <laughs> so you vegans, you'll love it. Um, it's made <laughs> made with no hormones or antibiotics. <laughs> steroids. 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 That's it. Steroids. I mean, technically, those count as hormones, but yeah. Do you ever find like I like A and W hamburgers? But I wish they had more steroids. Well, the thing is, ever since they started advertising that, they raised the price of their burgers, <laughs> but yes. yet they taste exactly the same. So I'm just like, is it really worth it? Because I really like it. I think they are the best hamburgers. I do like the hamburgers. I haven't had one in a long time. But not when it costs $10. To for have, a burger? For a burger, a pop, and some fries. Like, it literally is $10 if you go after taxes and everything with the burger that I want. In Canada. In Canada, yeah. It's probably 50 cents in America. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, it's just because, like, yeah, I don't really like McDonald's. I I. Don't mind Harvey's, which is a Canadian fast food joint. Um, and it, the, Harvey's is okay. Um, hey, I but, hear they make your hamburger a beautiful thing. Oh, they don't, they don't do that catchphrase anymore. Fucking But assholes. it was a great catchphrase. Harvey's Just like, makes a hamburger a beautiful thing. Just like how um, Tim Hortons doesn't do their little jingle anymore. Always fresh. Wait, what, how's it? That's how long it's been. Yeah, uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Um, you always got time for Tim Hortons. Always got time for Tim Hortons. Yeah. 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 Like, they, do you think the jingle is dead? 
No, no. I still hear so many jingles. Yeah? Jangles. Jangles. I mean, if you're on the radio. Mr. Bojangles. You want um, some cornbread, Mr. Mr. Jangles? <laughs> <laughs> no, I just... Because... I, I don't know. Like, it just seemed that back in the 90s and even the early 2000s, there was a lot more of like musical um, commercials that have like a catchphrase or a, a musical like jangle. Psychological repetition, man. You got to get that shit running around in people's mind nonstop so then they buy your crap. Like Jim the Hammer Shapiro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you repeat the number enough times. It's like that episode where you're going, brainsandwich.com, free on free. brainsandwich.com, free, 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 Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Freedy. Freedy. <laughs> but it's, well, it's like how I've never ordered pizza at Pizza Pizza, but I know their phone number. Nine, six, six seven, seven, eleven, eleven. Phone pizza, pizza. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Brain sandwich episode fourteen, the jingle episode. Jing, jingle all the way. <laughs> <laughs> Jingles all the way. Yeah. Um. Did you know they made a second jingle all the or? Uh, Is that the one with uh, Larry the Cable Guy? Yeah. Ah, oh, what a bitch. Yeah, what a bitch. Uh. Anyways, let's move into the actual meat of the episode. Really? You're starting it already? Well, we always usually overdo it anyways, unless you want to talk about something else. It's only been six minutes. All right. You know what? I'll give you the word of the day. Okay. All right. For those of you who don't know. Yes. Word of the day. What's the word of the day? It's a word given on a day. Whoa. Of an episode. No. Really? No. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Righteous. Whoa. <laughs> I give Justin a word that he's probably never heard before. Maybe he has. He'll pretend that he hasn't, just for your satisfaction. No, I, I honestly have never heard any of the words. So far, so we've far. been good. Yeah. <laughs> Justin. Oh, wait. And he gives us a definition. Yes. My own off-the-top-of-my-head type Jeff definition. Totally real. Totally real. Justin. Yes. Your word is audiophoresis. Audiophoresis? Or, sorry, Adiaphoresis. Adiaphoresis. Maybe adiaphoresis. Adiaphoresis. Would you like me to spell it? Yes, please. A d i a p h o r e s i s. Adiaphoresis. Kick ass and chew bubble gum. Phoresis. <laughs> this is a tough one. I mean, it's not a tough one because I know exactly you know what it means. the definition. <laughs> it it actually um, adiaphoresis. Is uh is a slang word used in in uh, Papua New Guinea actually, um, <laughs> um, which is surprising I know because uh, Papua New Guinea isn't a very huge place and I'm surprised it made it up to North America. You are you've been doing your your due diligence and uh, research. It's sir. word calisthenics. I yeah. take a little bit every day. Yeah and. Uh, but um, audiophoresis, audiophoresis, it's a hard word to say because it's in a different language. That's right, right? <laughs> right, yeah. right. It's um, in Papua New Guinea. Yeah, it's, it's a term that's used, well, two reasons, two, two ways they use it in there. It's a normal, standard, like, aloha, kind of goodbye, hello kind of word. So you'd come in to, like, a, a Papua New Guinea tribe and go, audiophoresis, bro. <laughs> But it is also, which this has run into some problems, also is a uh, is a, also a word to declare war on people. So it's depending on how you tone the word. Inflection is everything. Exactly. Mm. So you can go in and be like audiophoresis, and everybody else would be like audiophoresis, bro. <laughs> but then if you go in and go audiophoresis, somebody will throw a spear at you. No <laughs> jokes. It's happened to me before. <laughs> How many times have you been to Papua New Guinea? Papua New Guinea. Audiophoresis. Yeah, boy. At least a half a dozen times. Um, I go there on like long weekends. Um, like if I have a if I have a Monday off, I go take a day trip, drive down. Because, um, well, I don't know if people out there that are aware that Canada and Papua New Guinea are pretty close to each other. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just over the way there by Newfoundland. Yeah, yeah. We go go over, jump over PEI, and then get into Newfoundland, and then right on the edge of Newfoundland is Papua New Guinea. Um, you know, right between Greenland. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I go there. I got some family there. They move there after they're retired. It's a great. They're snowbirds, so they go there in the uh, up by Greenland <laughs> in, the, in the winter time <laughs> to. Uh, to you know, catch some summer, some summer uh, sun, 
And uh, because in Papua New Guinea, it's kind of like Australia, and some of our Australia fans um, will will know that their winter is our summer and vice versa. Same with Papua New Guinea up near Greenland. It's just, it's like the Bermuda Triangle. It's like, it's the, people study it. Bill Nye's up there studying it all the time because their weather patterns are so drastically different than ours. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much what uh, <laughs> Adi Adi... You uh, kind of went on a tangent there. <laughs> well, the I'm very fluent in my Papua New Guinean. <laughs> <laughs> you should look it up and see. If that's what I, I don't even know what they speak. They probably speak English. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's pretty right, right? Adiaphoresis. The absence of perspiration or the inability to perspire. Well, that's because like... In it's Papua so New Guinea, hot there. that's where dogs were bred, and dogs don't sweat, so they don't perspire. So, yeah. Are you calling people from Papua New Guinea dogs? No, no, no. They bred dogs there. That's where dogs started. Mm. Yeah. So that's where all those non-sweating Come on, get up on your Papua New Guinea um, art. <laughs> history. <laughs> history. Art. History. <laughs> Honestly... I don't know anything about Papua New Guinea. No, I don't know why that I mean, came to my head. We know. I mean, lots knowledge, yeah. brain, Canada. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know why that popped into my head. <laughs> Good enough. Yeah, but that was word of the day, sponsored by Us. word of the day. <laughs> All right. So, as you know, Justin, this is a podcast where we like to challenge commonly held beliefs. What? What? This is not what I signed up for. What? <laughs> I want to stay in the dilemma of my own ratified thoughts and exactly. like small-mindedness. And I don't want to look at things and question things. <laughs> I just want the media to tell me what's going yeah, on and I take it. When has CNN, NBC, Fox, ABC ever lied to us? Never. 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 I cannot think of a dozen. <laughs> so... Some of what we say here flies in the face of conventional wisdom because what? we we as brains semi-shures. Semi-shures. <laughs> Slightly French. Sandwich artists. <laughs> <laughs> we as brains sandwich artists. Sandwich artists, sorry. Sandwich artists. Uh, like to challenge conventional wisdom, mostly because we think it's bullshit. Well, that's the thing. Like, I think, especially with our generation, well, in previous generations too, but we're speaking to the millennials here, that we're brought up in told that if you see it on the news if you see it by or if you're told by a teacher if you're told by a uh, an elder then that's right that's the way it's supposed to be and i find that me personally you have to question not question everything but take everything with a grain of salt and if you're not sure about something research it if you if somebody tells you like oh did you hear that um, Bill Clinton jumped off the Empire State Building and survived. If it seems a little fishy, you probably should look it up. Survived? Yeah, I'm just saying. That's Damn! Um, yeah, I know. Um, but stuff like that. And I think that's what you're kind of getting at. Yeah. So, we've had this discussion before, many times. And this is going to be hard-hitting to people kind of in older generations, and maybe even in our generation, because I've noticed this amongst young people. Kind of the dull ones. Oh, also, if something is offensive to you or you don't agree with, suck it up. Okay? <laughs> that you, was out of nowhere. No, because, well, you're saying that it could be a little harsh for some people. Oh, it's not really that harsh. If I you mean, disagree, suck it up and be like, okay, well, then counter that with something. Yeah, discuss the topics yeah. with us. You we're, don't need to fight, bitch, moan, complain. Have a civil discussion. We're very open here at Brain Sandwich. We like to extend knowledge in people. Yeah, so we like you, to share what we know. We want to hear what you know. If you disagree with us. Even if it's crap. If you disagree, <laughs> yeah, if you disagree with us, let us know and we can have a civil discussion. We don't need to be yelling at each other. The beauty of it is that I actually like hearing other people's crap. Me too. Because I want to filter through it. Anyways. I want to find the truth. Anyways. What the do you, truth. I keep cutting you off. <laughs> truth. What do I think is crap this is a rhetorical question by the way <laughs> well, I, i'm about to answer it no no shut your things mouth things in shut toilets. your mouth <laughs> <laughs> what, do I, what do i think is crap poo poo garbage garbage crap. crap crap is crap crap is crap you know what i think is crap mm. the and by extension the american slash north american dream oh yeah the thing that we've always been sold that picket fence settling down 3.2 cars. Houses and investment. Uh, a picture-perfect wife or husband. Two and a half or kids. Or gay lover. Or gay lover. Because we're supportive of everybody's lifestyles. L- living in a suburb. 
a suburb, um, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah, it's bullshit. So here's my thing. Everybody has arguments that they make, and there's always sides. My argument is that the American dream of owning a house as an investment and being the smartest purchase of your life, being this usually, for most people, the biggest purchase of their life, is a bunch of crap. Yeah. Now, the important thing to note on this is that I'm very open-minded in the sense that I am more than willing to change my opinion on the subject that buying a house is a crappy investment if the criteria is met that it can be supported by statistical and reasonable data Mm. that doing so is not a financial nightmare. Yeah. Now, we've had this discussion many times, but one of the uh, core tenets of my belief well, actually, let's break down the let's unpack the belief unpack. That's that a common house, term <laughs> that is an investment. First of all, what is an investment? An investment is usually not something that you have to leverage your life away to put money into. Yeah. What is the one thing that most people do when they buy a house? There's Go into tremendous debt. <laughs> tremendous amount of debt for 20, 25, 30, 30 years. Yeah. Or remortgaging later. It's kind of one of those things. I don't know. I just, I don't really know where this idea came. I don't know if it's because it's an emotional purchase or not, because I, I feel like that's what it is with most people, because I personally can't come up with the rational understanding of why everybody, because you know how people spew it. They're like, yeah. oh, a house is an investment. People our aged will tell me, the economist, mm-hmm. that a house is an investment. And I'm like, no. It's the worst thing ever. Well, think about it. Like, I understand it's an import or a, no, no, it's a purchase. It's a, it's a, it's a big purchase, especially nowadays where like a decent house is at least $200,000, at least in Canada and where we live. Um, but I think it's just, there might've been a time where you could get a decent house and not like, cause, oh, you know why also I'm jumping all over the place. But I think there may have been a time where you could get a reasonable house at a reasonable price and then you have it for 20 years. You probably have it paid off before then because they were just so much cheaper. Um, And then you could, in 20, 30 years, sell it and make a profit. Okay, that's one thing. But then nowadays, like I know some people that are are selling a house and like they're taking a loss losses, And... Like, we did have a big financial, well, not in Canada, but in at least America, they had the big financial bubble that burst. Well, even our... um, And it affected us, too, but not to the same extent. In 2008 and 2009 is our biggest ever drop of housing rates in the last, like, 50, 60 years. Yeah, where people were losing profits on houses like no other. Or just losing their houses. Yeah, and the thing is, is because I think it's just society as a whole perpetuates this myth that you have to buy a house you have to the only way you can be happy is if you buy a house and the thing is like no a lot of people that i know that buy houses spend most of the time complaining about the things that they have to do with the house like my brother um before him and his now wife got married they did buy a house and and it's an okay house but like the shitstorm not in regards to purchasing the house per se but like after they bought the house the stuff that just started popping up that they ended up having to pay a lot of money for. Now, luckily, they both have well-paying jobs. So it was still like, oh, it sucks that they have to spend X amount of money on this particular thing. But like, it just comes out of nowhere because the previous owner was very, not flivorous, but um, very bad at upkeep. Right. Um, And she was, I guess, she was kind of weird (laughs) a little out there yeah like now their house is great like i love their house they got it on a nice property and and it's out in the country so it's nice and quiet i've been to it it's a nice place yeah and and they got a pool and and stuff but yeah the first like year or two it was it was tough like adam kept coming home and being like oh god i found this now i have to pay for that i have to pay for and then i'm thinking right now like my parents have lived in their house for well almost 30 years as long as i've been around because we moved there because of me that's right my parents had to buy a house because of me (laughs) you spoiled brat (laughs) because our old house didn't have enough room for me for the first 
six weeks of my life I slept in a playpen because I didn't have a bedroom. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Um, but mind you, our old house that um, was old school house. So yeah. it was small. Um, but yeah, like, I it'd be very interesting to see, A, how much my parents paid for my place back in, eight, in 1988 then B, how much money they've ended up putting into the house over the years, which we haven't really done a lot of renos and stuff. I mean, just general maintenance. Yeah. And then C, how much we could actually potentially sell the house for because in the state that it is now, we would probably have to do a lot of work just to be up to code because my house isn't falling apart by any means, but it's it's was built in the 70s, so right. it's not in the greatest shape. Um and see if it, we would actually come out on top. Like if we would come, if we would convert the nineteen eighty eight price of my house in, just for inflation to justify how much we paid for it in modern terms, mm-hmm. I guarantee you we wouldn't be able to sell it for as much as we paid for it. Well, and see, that's my whole thing is that I think there's a, an assumption, and like I said, I, I think this it's a myth that I feel was perpetuated by like the Home and Garden Network. Yeah, that I was good. That was the other thing I was going to say, but then I yeah yeah. Is that every, flipping? Yeah, yeah, flipping houses. Everybody just assumes that the price of houses is always going up, yeah. which is not. I've known people that have tried to do that, flip houses and stuff like that, and have gotten burned bad. You know, the adjusted for inflation right now, housing prices are have only recovered after the recession to two thousand six levels. Really, we are dead even with what the price of housing was eleven years ago. So in Canada, that is. So theoretically, like technically speaking, if you bought your house in two thousand six, you haven't made a dime. <laughs> 10, 11 years now. Now, mind you, most people, uh, unless you're trying to make a quick buck, don't really sell houses that quickly. Yeah. But still, like you'd you'd expect after ten years, yeah. well, eleven years basically, it would go up from then. Uh, no, yeah, the, the, the no, because that's the whole thing that everyone always tells me. Well, I'll buy this house, and then you know, in five years, I'll flip it. It's like, like, do you know that the cycle of recessions can just like up down? It's like you could be losing fifty, a hundred percent of your investment in yeah. five years. Now that's extreme, obviously, but yeah, but like back in the seventies, my uncle and aunt did that. That's how they got some of their money. Is they 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 both had decent jobs, and that's the, okay. That's the thing too is that in order to do even potentially do the house flipping thing you need to have money first in order to do it because like if if i were tomorrow to be like i think i'm going to buy a house and try and flip it the whole thing the problem is people bankroll these entire flipping operations on their mortgage which is again mm-hmm. 20 years of incurred debt that you incur immediately i i know somebody who is in that situation now where they are trying to flip houses, but not flip houses. They're building houses and trying to sell them. Um, and they came to a situation where they were building a new house that they would move into once the current house sold, but they couldn't finish their house that they were going to move into until that house sold, but it was having a problem being sold. So they literally just had to stop reno- building that house and they had to wait until they had the money of the sold house in order to continue on the renos. So they had to sell their house, but the house that they were moving into wasn't finished yet. So they had to move in with their family in order until that house is done. So they almost bit the dust because I'm like, and that's the thing. It's so like people are like, oh, it's such a stable investment. No, it's that's the thing. I, it kind of comes back to me about is that I hate the kind of it's it's a catchphrase it's a meme or a cliche that a house is an investment because it is the worst of all investments first of all a house is an asset or is an asset not an investment investments make you money are usually stable nobody goes out and buys stocks on a loan you usually invest money or equity that you already have into them you trade equities yada 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 it's interesting that you said the buy the stocks on a loan because in in the next episode i'm Oh, doing, God. I'm doing a Marvel episode in the next couple episodes about the 90s. I'm giving you guys a little teaser. Um, and This will be Wednesday's episode. Yeah, and somebody working with Marvel in the 90s did that exact thing. Bought stocks or... On debt? On loans. Yeah. yeah. Or, or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, we'll that's, get to it. So it's an asset. Yeah. Assets can appreciate in value and assets can depreciate in value. So they are not 
investments. Yeah. They're not stable. They're not forward thinking. Uh, like I said, having to take on a huge, and it's not just like a little bit of debt too. It no. is 25 usually years of debt. Yeah. Just to grab what you think is the best investment. And unfortunately, the the common person will never have that paid off. Like no. the, the average like middle class person will never, they will because die some, with their house at some point, not being paid off. Even with their dual incomes and whatever they've got and investment properties, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. There comes a point where, oh shit, we have to reshingle the roof and we don't have $20,000. Yeah. Or we'll have to remortgage. Oh, guess what? You're two times in debt. Yeah. Or like in the country, oh no, the septa tank's dead. So we have to make a new one. That's a $30,000 investment. I mean, for me, it's just like... It, or cost, not investment. Like, now there are arguments to be made that owning a house has its benefits. They're, and But to me, I think they're mostly emotional. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I know people that are about our age that are like, I want to buy a house because I'm tired of renting because I want to be able to do my own things in... I want to own the, yeah. the thing. And I, you know what? Part of me gets that. But then I weigh the cost of ownership... And the potential of huge fuck-ups. Like, if you buy a dud house... You're like, screwed. Yeah, it's one thing with a car, because a car... Like, if you buy a used car, it's only a couple grand. And if you end up getting a lemon, whatever. If you buy a $300,000 house, and 10 years into owning it, it something insane happens. Yeah, it's a $300,000 lemon. Yeah, and you're screwed. But then if you're renting, and you're living in a place that's that you've been living in for two or three years or whatever, and something screws up, then okay, you the you got renter's insurance. You got your the person who owns the building is the Well and I think people don't take into consideration that if anything goes wrong in your house, you as the landowner are a hundred percent responsible. Mm-hmm. Anything goes wrong in your apartment, the landlord is a hundred percent responsible. Mm-hmm. Now people, you know, the argument's always made, oh, but you know what? Renting is just throwing money away. You know what, like, buying a house is? It's throwing equity away. Yeah. Because, okay, I'll give the best math lesson, and anybody can look this up on a calculator. Okay. $200,000 house. Okay. Let's say you put 20% down because okay. you want to put a good chunk of it. That's $40,000. Which is huge right there. That's $40,000 out the door. <laughs> yeah. Now, if you wanted to say, uh, shit. So you're at 180000 now. Mm-hmm. you if you took 20000 off the Oh, yeah, don't even worry about that. Oh, okay. No, we'll go straight for the $40,000 down payment on a $200,000 house. So that's 20%. If you were to amortize the cost of that house over its 25-year mortgage, you're actually going to pay, and this is on the very simple side, this is very simple math, for a $200,000 house, you're going to pay $300,000 in interest. Okay. So anybody that says, oh, yeah, I bought a $200,000 house, it's like, no, you got what you bought was three hundred thousand dollars of debt, and what you got was a house that's a hundred thousand dollars worth less mm-hmm. than what you paid for it. Now, by comparison, if you take that forty thousand dollars and just rent an apartment, yeah, but you put that forty thousand dollars away for twenty-five years in index funds, based on the eighty-year annualized average of returns you would get you would make $293,000 in 25 years. Mm -hmm. For taking that down payment, instead of putting in a house that's going to cost you an extra $100,000, you can instead uh, invest it and grow that money to the same amount and then some over the same period. And that's without adding any more money to that investment. Just tossing the 40 grand in. Toss the 40,000 in a bank account, put it in index funds, funds, leave it for 25 years, $300,000. Okay, I will be the internet, a.k.a. devil's advocate. But Tommy, if I buy a $200,000 house in 25 to 30 years, it'll be worth 300000 When you adjust a house for the cost of living and inflation over the last 50 years, nobody has actually made money on a house. No. Now, this is, of course, average. There are people that flip houses yeah. really quickly in strong economies. But then you have problems like 2008, 2009, where all of Detroit loses their houses. Well, and I think the the whole flipping house houses trend, I think um, people really don't understand. Well, I think some people do, but there, there are a, a good portion of people out there 
that don't realize that the houses that they're buying are either in foreclosure or insanely cheap, like under $100,000. And then they end up putting a gajillion dollars into it too. Not a gajillion, but you know what I mean? Like they put a lot of money into it and then sell it, like you said, in a good area that it has a good market that, that you could easily sell it to. Like, for example, my neighbor's... Um, okay, years ago, my neighbor right behind my house, he was an older gentleman. He had lived in that house forever, so it was very dated. He passed away, and then it was up for sale for a long time, and nobody bought it because it was old and kind of worn down and not very nice. So this older couple um, came in, bought the house for super cheap, and then ended up putting, ended up re- redoing the whole house and made it look real nice. And then also, and this is just on landscaping, they spent $149,000 just on landscaping. Not the house, just on landscaping. It's a lot of rocks and grass. <laughs> yeah, mind you, it looks amazing. Then I think last year or the year before, they tried to sell their house, the, that house. So again, I don't know how much they pay for the, the house initially, um, but they were trying to sell the house for two hundred and I think seventy grand. Are we talking the one right on the corner? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They were trying to sell it for two hundred and seventy grand. Uh, didn't didn't go for like a month. Okay, so they knocked it down to two hundred and fifty grand. Didn't go. They ended up taking a loss on it and a big loss because they went from two hundred and seventy thousand, which was the first initial listing price, down to I think two hundred and thirty. <sighs> so three, four, five, six, seven. They ended up minusing $40,000 from what they were originally asking for because just nobody would buy it because it was a gorgeous house. It's got a great yard, um, but... It wasn't a buyer's market. No. It's just, you're not, you're not going to win every time. And that's the thing. Like some people, like I said, some people are going to win, but on average, you're, you're, le- you're looking at a straight up gamble. Mm-hmm. Like housing rates are so volatile. But what, but what about the bankers that are like, Oh no, you got to buy a house because that's a safe investment instead of like going with the stock markets because that's too risky. That's because people always the problem is with stock market investing is that banks will sell you the stocks that they're paid by the issuers to sell. Yeah. They don't sell you what's good. They don't sell you what will grow. Because you had a problem with it because you wanted to. I don't invest with my bank because they only sell mutual funds, which are garbage <laughs> fucking garbage Why are mutual funds garbage because the same reason the high issuing rate that the agent will charge you oh this uh you know this management fee this one percent they don't realize what one percent off the top of your money really accounts for when you're going 20 25 years in that's thousands and thousands of dollars that you could be putting in better equity yeah why not go with automated investing first mm-hmm. of all the management fee is a third a tenth of what a bank will charge you um, that being that, if you're investing in a diversified portfolio, which mutual funds almost never give you, oh, you, we're diversified. We've got Pepsi and Coke stocks. That's good. <laughs> no, you get uh, government bonds, you get corporate bonds, you get corporate stocks, you get real estate trusts. And that's the other thing. If you want to invest in real estate, buy real estate trusts. Because if things go south, you can sell them quicker than you can sell a fucking house. <laughs> you fucking idiots. <laughs> it pisses me off so much. You want to invest in real estate? Buy real estate trusts. Hold other people's mortgages over their heads. Mm-hmm. Be the guy that's screwing people out of their homes. Don't buy the home and get screwed by the guy. <laughs> well, it, is it like... Now, you obviously are the more the... It, if you look on our website, you can see our stats list that Tommy is a, a very high stats st- standing when it comes oh, to I'm economics. I'm a math guy. Yeah. So I'm pretty like middle ground like i don't i don't trust everything a bank person says but i still believe them sometimes but have you did well you, that's where you went wrong <laughs> no 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 but the thing is um like did you watch the movie the big short yeah i did yeah what did you think of it i thought it was great okay it's like it's, it's fairly accurate as it can be like there are some things i would have to research more but yeah. very it's pretty straightforward so do you think the reason that um that people think or another cog to the chain that people think or to the gear 
that people think that houses are so good investing is because pe- like it's so easy just to get a house nowadays. Like cuz mortgage in- rates are low like you can put 10% down on like a $150,000 home that's $15,000. Not like if you're talking dual income families or a couple, it's yeah. like a couple months of saving. Because uh, to people who haven't seen The Big Short, watch it. It's a good movie. Um, but from what I gather, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the reason that the bubble burst happened so badly back then was because they were literally just giving out houses left and right to people who should not yeah, because be owning a house. That's the problem is they created the incentive for it because people giving out loans were being rewarded for the more loans they gave out. It was became a product. So what do they do to sell more loans? They loosen the restrictions on getting a loan. Mm-hmm. Because if more people can get loans, more loans I can sell. More loans I can sell, bigger management fee I pull in. Yeah. They're not in the business of helping you. They're in the business of selling something. Well, and they, and they they could care less about long-term gains. They were just thinking about the current then and there. I can make $50,000 in two months if I sell X amount of um, or give out X amount of loans. But then they don't give a shit about 20 years from now when that person that they're giving the loan to will be completely run dry of money. Well, they completely forgot the whole fact that they their whole system was going to implode on itself too. Like these people, they think about the now, they forget about the then, and then they're out of a job in five years. Well, and the thing that makes it even worse is that the amount of people that were telling them this is a bad idea, don't do this, this is going to create... Well, Ron Paul back in, what, 89 or something like that? Man, he the predicted... Man, he predicted the housing bubble like 30 years in advance. Yeah, well, and he even... I think didn't even give a relative year that it was going to happen. Oh, and he it was, was extremely accurate. And it was right on the dot. <laughs> and I'm like... And that's the guy that they decided not to let go become president. Instead, they voted for Trump. <laughs> Dumbest decision America ever made was to not have Ron Paul as president, yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Um, guy's a genius. A genius. A genius. A, a genius a genius a genius um but that's the thing like they were just and i think it was probably was it worse in america back then though like they were literally just handing out loans like chick like yeah chick- if you want this is going to be like a little canadian self horn tooting here but if you want a hong kong a <laughs> hong kong a beaver's nice huh huh oh yeah beer <laughs> um the reason we didn't have the housing collapse that you did... Now, we had a housing collapse because yeah. our assets are tied very well with America's, but we survived very well. None of our banks uh, went under yeah. in the recession because we have strict rules on that kind of stuff <laughs> about what you can give away, what you can invest, the kind of rates you can sell mortgages at. The fact that you can't just sell a mortgage to a homeless person with no income. <laughs> <laughs> like... Basically, I'm not for regulation. Like I hate government. Like Justin can attest this. I yeah. hate government. I'm an anarchist as <laughs> as as they come. But holy shit, that was one of the good things we have. But I still think we did make mistakes, though. Like I I really really disagree with like the the government bailouts of car manufacturers and stuff like that. M- myself completely. Like I'm the same way. I. If a company's going to make such dumb decisions and get away with let it, them, so long, let them let reap them, the consequences. Let them reap the consequences. Because, like, and that's the thing, like, I would... Because cons- what did bailing out all those bankers in the U.S. do? It ended up sending a bunch of guys on vacation in private jets. Yeah. Like, Good one, Barack. Would you would you classify me or us, because we, we're pretty similar in, in regards to political standings, more, would, would we be in more of the capitalist kind of umbrella ish i mean because i believe more in like if a company's gonna do something shitty let them die yeah yeah well and that's i think that's the problem is that people don't see that side of capitalism i I think people that succeed should be rewarded i think people that screw people over should be screwed royally yeah but no we live in a world now where if if, the problem is that people conflate the words capitalist with corporatist i don't believe that businesses should get protections that nobody else gets well, I think that should run down even to the person too. Like, I don't. If you make dumb life decisions and you're now broke, you should reap the consequences. Like, there are outli- out, out, um, outliers, out, outliers that like, okay, certain situations you couldn't help or whatever. Um, but no, if you're gonna make some dumb decision and try and flip a house, 
or flip two houses at once and they completely fail and you completely destroy your financial standings, I don't think a government should sweep in and go, oh, here's here's a couple grand to help you out. Because yeah, you took a risk and it didn't pay off. It's virtually, knowing what the rates of houses are and how volatile it is, you essentially just gambled. Do mm. I believe that the government should save people who have a gambling addiction? No. No. Like, it's not rocket science. You take a risk. Sometimes you are rewarded. But here's the thing. Make sure you've got the money to save yourself before you take that risk. And, and you know what? And I know this will be a little personal horn tooting myself. There has never been something that I've bought and either put on credit or loan or whatever that I couldn't pay for if need be, like yeah. right away. Yeah, I've never purchased anything on my credit card that I didn't have at least 10 times the amount of money it cost in my bank account yeah. or more. Like even when I bought my car a few years ago, if I wanted to, I could have paid the pretty much like 90% of it off. Yeah. Um, or or what else? Like when I bought my cameras, um, they were expensive cameras. They're not just like iPhones or whatever. Yeah. Like they're... My, my one lens cost me 1500 bucks, And like... I would put them either on layaway or financing or something like that. But if I desperately needed to, I could have had extra money like in a separate bank account, like an emergency fund. Same thing with me. Like the biggest, I guess, purchase. And mind you, uh, that sounds a little funny, but I was also like 17 years old. So it's not like I'm doing it now where I'm like, I don't have $1,500 lying around. No, I mean, when you're 17 years old and buying a $1,200 camera, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> big deal. Like, I uh, I consolidated my credit once when I finished university to pay off my loans because I made my last payment on my visa to get the points. It's not that I didn't have the money, but I wanted to maximize get my returns. <laughs> you know, if I'm getting an education, I might as well get a free, like, tablet. Yeah, yeah something. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> something must come out of but it. But I consolidated my credit card under my line of credit, which was the lower interest rate. Yeah. And anyway, got that all paid off because I could. And I don't know. I just, I don't understand people that over leverage themselves that, that well, bad. Because they, they, it's like the people who took out student loans and bought cars and Xboxes. Yeah, I knew a guy that did I that. Know, I know so many people that did that. And I was like, what the hell is wrong with you? I know. Like, it's, 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 and I'm going to use a 90s word here. So, trigger warning for all you pussies out there. Wait, wait. Ah, you know what go. I'm going to say. I know what word you're going to use. They're a bunch of retards. Oh, so retarded. Like, like I, I, even back, okay, there was a kid when I was in grade 10. There was a kid who was graduating, and they he got his OSAP, and didn't even just spend a. Portion. OSAP is an Ontario oh, student loan sorry. for anybody yeah. that doesn't know. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a loan that you get when you're going into college that'll help you pay for portions of your college. Not not your whole college. It's not like a scholarship or anything. It's just a portion. Um, and usually anybody can apply for it, and you you get uh the amount that you get depends on like your your parents income and your housing income and stuff like that so usually people who have are come from a lower income house will get more money and vice versa anyways so this guy i was in grade 10 he was in grade 12 he was graduating um and he got his osap loan he didn't just take a portion of the money he spent the whole loan on a car <sighs> And not even a nice car, a stupid and if douche you want, car. You know what investment is only worse than a house? Car. Is a car. Yeah. Because the value only goes down. <laughs> it never goes up. And I don't, like, yeah, there's people out there that sell cars at auctions for tons of money or whatever. They're still putting a ton of money into that yeah. car. Um, but yeah, and even as a grade 10, I was just like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, why would you do that? Yeah. And when I got my OSAP uh, for college, um, I put everything towards school um, and I didn't spend any of it on anything else. Um, now, mind you, I didn't stay in school, so I ended up just giving that money back anyways. But but look on the bright side. If I would, because if, you, if yeah. you had spent that on a car, you would have no money to give back yeah. and you would be $10,000 in debt. Yeah, because I would say I would have bought a $5,000 car got it and then not gone to school then they'd be like okay well you got to give us that five thousand dollars back oh shit oh shit what am i gonna do now 
And yeah, there there was just some really stupid people out there. Stupid is an understatement. And I think like I know we briefly talked about those like cash for money places. Mm. And I think people just treat money like that old phrase, money doesn't grow on trees. I think people Some people think it does. Yeah. Like the amount of people that I've known over the years that are in insane amounts of debt when they could easily get out of it, but they think the world is coming to an end, but they couldn't, like the person that we know, well, I know, but you know, because I've talked about them, that complains all the time that they were in debt and didn't have any money, but they would go and spend $80 a week on marijuana or weed. And I'm like, well, right there. You want to start saving money? Stop buying weed and spending $80 a week on weed. That could, you know. $80 a week. Fuck, you get a good car lease for $80 a week. I know. And you know what? When I was in high school, um, I was pretty average grades. Like, I wasn't a, a smarty pants, and I, but I wasn't a complete dunce either. Um, but there was one course I did have to kind of take, like, the, the low-level math class once. Um, and I am a hundred percent glad I did. And I think every single person should take that course in high school. And I don't care what your math level is because you know what that math, math class was, it was a fundamental math class where they taught you how to do basic budgeting, basic loan structures, basic financing, like compound interest, stuff like that. And I think, cause you know the amount of people that I know that are that are about our age that we kind of grew up with, the the people that are in debt the most are the people who were rich people, like rich kids yep. that had no concept of 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 oh you dropped your pencil shit concept, every time concept of not having money because it was just they were born with money they they had tons of money growing up and I know we've we've recycled this thing before but we both both of us grew up pretty poor. Like I even think you were worse off than me, but we I had was some tough years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounded over the years you've told me that you've had some tougher years than we have. But no, we like growing up. My family was a family of four, like bottom middle class, like lower lower middle class. Like there was a couple times we were skirting on the poverty line, um, and there were. I remember my mom telling me when I was younger, "Oh yeah, there was a time when I went to the bank." And the bank lady couldn't believe that we could actually afford, like, the way that the finances were. It's just my mom and dad are very, very good with money. Yeah, I actually remember a story when somebody, when my parents uh, went into the same thing, went into a financial advisor. And they couldn't bank, believe it. <laughs> and they're like, "How?" there was one year, six of us survived on $9,000. Uh, a whole year. Yeah. It's like, we were about $10,000 under poverty. <laughs> yeah. And like, there was a time where we were living where like dad was the only person that had a job. And then there were some tough, tough years and, and they were tough, but I, I'm glad that they happened because I now have this mentality about money that I can't just spend things flivorlessly. Well, you, you kind of work through stresses and, it's a lot easier when you're a kid too, because ultimately the stress is not completely on you. Whereas when you're an adult, it's like a hundred percent, okay, I'm poor, I'm screwed, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But then when you grow up with that mentality, you get kind of the taste of poverty and responsibility without the full weight of the world crashing down on you where you get overwhelmed. Then you grow up and you're like, okay, I remember what it was like. And now that I'm older, I can think, oh, these, I don't. <laughs> these are dumb decisions. Yeah. And and it's not like the reasons that like our parents were relatively lower class is they didn't make dumb decisions per se. They just, they made some life choices when they were younger that maybe they didn't take this particular career tree Same or, thing. or whatever, because back when they were in high school and stuff, like uh, uh, it was thought that a woman could go to like secretary school and make it was the end of an era where you could make a general decent life at doing like a secretarial job or something like that or and you didn't need like a college education in yeah. order and i think where we where millennials kind of have an a little bit of an issue like yeah there's a lot of millennials that have just the bad mentality but also we were in the the turning point where like when we were just leaving high school 
it was thought and it was drilled into our heads. Oh, you can't have a good job unless you go to school, unless you go to have a college education or a university education, because if you don't, you're going to be screwed for well, life. Well, because there was an interesting transition when we left school, because I remember that was the same thing that like was peddled into me and even like lived because my father never finished high school because he had to go help his father run his business. Yeah. And so he obviously feels that he, that held him back in life. And so that was drilled into my head. And then we got into school. It was like, no, you at the very minimum, you have to go to like do a trade apprenticeship. Yeah. And then there was a point where they pushed the shit out of that. It's like, screw college and university. All the money's in the trades. Well, it, yeah. And that was, we got kind of a mix too. Like you got to go to college. No, you got to go to university. No, you got to go to trade school. Yeah. Whereas I think over the last couple of years, um, I think it's kind of gone into like you have to get post-secondary school in the STEM field yeah, or the science, well, that is science, but like those types of fields. Science, technical engineering. And, and people are just not even giving a shit about, about trades, about like more, I'm using this term loosely, normal jobs, like either a construction worker or a carpenter or stuff like like trades or like just general office worker middle like, class jobs really yeah where it, it, all the kids that are going into colleges and universities have this like fairy tale belief that oh i have to get a job in a in a fortune 500 company where i'm a ceo or i have to work for microsoft in order to make a decent life i have to work for Google or whatever. Otherwise, my life is going to be a, a shitstorm. No, you can have a good life and work a normal job. It's just you've been drilled into thinking that in order to have the American dream to come full circle. Oh, wow. He's getting there. Yeah. Uh, that you have to have a job that pays $200,000 a year. Otherwise, you're going to be miserable your whole life. Well, no. And also, trades jobs, after a while, you can make oodles of money oh, it's, it's just you have to do this thing called work it's well it's another thing it's called economics you want to make money go into the jobs that are in high demand and low supply oh but no nowadays we get these snowflakes that come out of university and colleges that think i'm going to go into i'm going to take a job field that is so niche and abstract that i came from a class of 400 kids uh, see here's the thing <laughs> i wouldn't call it a niche per se Wait, what are you getting at? Really? Basically, like people who go to a school where their graduating class um, of like four hundred kids are all taking the same course. That is such a that's such a, a narrow hiring ability. Like like eighteenth like century STEAM, French dance like, theory. Yeah, <laughs> or like a STEM field where like in a particular job they only hire maybe five or six people a year in that general area. <laughs> Um, but yet we just had 400 kids take a course of that. Yeah. See, you want, you want a good mix of in demand, but also available opportunity. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just, it really boils down to just think a little bit ahead. <laughs> well, and unfortunately, the unfortunate truth, especially over the last maybe three or four years is that we're living in a, in a world now where if I were to take a STEM course in university and be top of my class. But then if a, and I know this is going to get people pissed yeah, off. I know where you're going. Yeah, you know, exactly. But if a, if a, a female of color were to take that same course and do half as good as me, they would get a job over, I, over me. And just because they got to fill a quota of a we, quota a quota you really breathed that Sorry. one out there <laughs> but just think about it people like you know that's true like and it's and it sucks but like the amount of times or or not even on the job scale but just to get into that course in university or college now they have entrance quotas now yeah or or people um in certain courses or in certain schools if you're asian you have to you have to score higher on the test than if you were african-american because they want to have more African-American representation in particular schools. And they want to cut down the amount of Asian people in schools, which is stupid. I don't care. I, I If I ran a school, I would pick the people who are the smartest to come to my school. I've had... Yeah, see, and that would be ideal. Of, regardless of race, gender, 
Um, well, we've talked about this before, and I've said very often that the best hiring procedure or the best selection procedure you can do is blind selection. Yeah. Because it's not bias. You know, don't interview people in person the first time. Look at their resumes with the names and any identifying markers removed. It's but, very easy. Make it a multi-step process. But Tommy, if you ran a Fortune 500 company and you did that and your board ended up being too much one way or too much the other way, you're going to get reamed out. Oh, of course. Because you're racist and or sexist. Yeah, no. I didn't <laughs> look at anybody's skin or their religion oh, or their gender. Oh, but that's just... Oh, because, oh well, oh, you can't do that nowadays, Tom. <laughs> Everybody's name on their resume will just say Jamie. Is yeah. it a girl? Is it a boy? Yeah. You don't know. Or just no name. Like, it's just... Oh, I'm sorry. Jamie's... T- that's too yeah, Caucasian. That's too, oh, that's too white or that's too... Yeah. Or that's too European or like it's it's ridiculous. And uh, I don't know. We're kind of getting off topic because this yeah, was, supposed kinda to be... got, it was supposed to be about mortgages and housing. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I basically, I was trying to sum up that I think a lot of the problem is that the baby boomer generation, which was kind of raised to have a set of beliefs that are kind of just pushed and you accept them. The picture perfect lifestyle. The picture perfect lifestyle. You have to get this sort of a job. You have to go to school to find a good job. And here's the problem is that the baby boomer generation kind of presses what is their issue on us. Like you have to buy a house. You have to do this. You have to, you know, well, you, you just almost went Oprah. You get a house. You, <laughs> you get, get a house. house. You got a job. House. <laughs> yeah, I did. I totally did. <laughs> Tom Cruise is here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they push kind of this. Well, like I said, a, a meme or a cliche of home ownership on people yeah. because it was something that was pushed on them by their generation Mm -hmm. and we all know that like pre-baby boomers they were so genius with their starting wars and the depression (laughs) (laughs) because they made some great decisions now mind you the war was well i mean where do you excuse it like some people (laughs) can't help the depression the war caused the depression but at the same time depression causes wars like oh my god what though like the yeah the depression was a horrible thing but it also um the like 30s depression was a horrible thing but it also made people pulled them up by their bootstraps too like my grandparents uh well my grandpa my dad on my mom's side his my great grandmother raised two kids as a single mother in the depression Mm. like that is insane so it also made people like my mom, she, her, my great grandmother died when my mom was about seventeen or so. So her grandmother passed away when she was about seventeen, and she told me, yeah, she was one of the strongest ladies you could ever imagine. But she was still a lady in regards to like, she wore dresses, she never wore pants, those you know. nice Sunday hats. Yeah, exactly. But like, I cannot imagine raising two kids in in that style of depression because it hit us here too like it jesus christ i can't imagine like raising kids just nowadays like they're yeah without a depression (laughs) they're so shitty they cost a lot even when like the cost of living is like when it's down kids kids are just needy but also like and i know this would be very would be nihilistic of me to say but sometimes you kind of need something like that to get people going and to get people to stop bitching about how well, horrible see, their life is, but they make $100,000 a year. Yeah, I know. Well, that's what privileged celebrities are for, to tell us how God. oppressed they are. Anyway. Uh, we can't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll save that for another episode. Yeah. What I want to leave, because we're getting on the hour mark, yeah. I want to impart some actual... Give me some wise words of wisdom. Not me. even wise words of wisdom. I will give you people the fucking roadmap to make money. Okay. So, 100 years of financial data backs this up. Take your money. Yes. Put a big chunk of it in index funds. Okay. Wealth bar. What are index funds, by the way? So you get your S&P 500, which is the 500 best rated companies okay. in you know North America. Yep. You get a diversified portfolio, a little bit of each one of those 500 companies. It doesn't get more diverse than that. Oh, so instead... Yep. Of- Instead of like picking one company to put stocks into, you it's branching out a bunch. Yeah, of- you pull your money in oh. and they spread it in funds. So basically, when you get a hundred people investing a dollar together, you each own one one hundredth of that one hundred dollar stock, okay. hypothetically. But it works on the system that it's on such mass that you actually have a tremendous amount of ownership. The thing is, you have it spread out so far. 
and you're only investing it in the 500 best companies at any given time because you have to be the best to stay on the index, mm -hmm. which means you're only investing in the best. So here's what you do. You put your money in index funds, which are diversified. You get your real estate trusts. You get corporate bonds. You get corporate stocks. You get government bonds, everything, a little bit of everything. Usually you're going to get an annualized return of 8% or more per year, which is great because most high interest savings account only give you 2%. Yeah. You're never going to get 8% year over year return on a house. Absolutely never. In fact, somewhere five years down the road, you're going to get a negative 30 to 50% rate on your house. So basically you're saying to the good people, like there are good ways to invest. Take a grand. Yeah, take a grand. Usually, that's what you're going to start with, five hundred to a grand. To and that's not. Start. And then, and, the, and also, like a grand is a nice number because if something were to happen and say magically you lose the grand, it's not that big a deal. Whereas if you were to be like, I'm taking a hundred thousand yeah. dollars instead of buying a fucking house because Tommy and Justin told me not to, I'm going to invest it all into one stock. <laughs> Never buy one stock. Buy index funds. You know, if you want to take the money you would put on a down payment, yes, put it in index funds mm -hmm. because. The return on average is always going to go back up. There's like 80 to 100 years of data that says the returns always come back up, whereas houses usually just float right above the inflation level. So basically index funds do... If I showed you the last 80 years of the S&P 500, you would have a chart that just steadily goes up yeah. and up, has a little dip in 2009, keeps going back up. Yeah. So they'll have their dips, but they're always all on a whole going up. Yeah. Yeah. And don't take your money out at the first sign of a problem. Continue to invest. And that's why you invest like $50 here, $100. Yeah, so start with You're not your... just dumping loads of money all in. So say like, take a grand, invest it, and then maybe like... Continue putting $50 once, a month. One, yeah, and just keep adding to that grand every couple months and just add more, blah, 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 blah. Whatever you've got invested in mutual funds, pull them out and put them in the index fund. If you've got an, a private RRSP, any of that stuff, retirement education savings plan, pull them out because they're based on shitty mutual funds from banks too. Put them in index funds. But And again, you can even do it with smaller amounts, right? Like if you just had 100 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. And the problem is you can look this data up i believe uh yeah, give them give them some resources <laughs> just use any compound interest calculator put in whatever you want as the base amount ten thousand you know a thousand say what your monthly contributions are going to be or your yearly contributions for 20 years you want something like because you know how many people i know that had well i had these rsps but you know 2009 hit and i lost ten thousand dollars our like, parents yeah yeah it's like well fucking don't buy mutual funds at these crappy resps and shit yeah put everything and like this is a bold claim put everything all of your money that you're gonna invest put it in index funds because there's nothing more diverse than 500 different trusts companies and bonds now if you were if if i were tomorrow to take a thousand dollars put it into what you said what did it call the index funds index funds and then not added any more to it, I would still come out, like, I wouldn't obviously come out as high, but, like, you could even just do that. You don't need, do you need to keep putting money into it? I mean, if you want... It's recommended. If you want the best result, steady, continued increase, and the earlier you start, the better. Obviously, yeah. it works. But like I said, if you dumped $40,000 into an index fund 25 years ago on the 8% average return, this is not taking into account... That I believe in 2013, the average return in the U.S. was somewhere around the high 20s to 30s. Whereas in Canada, because we have a crappy investment system, we averaged 12%, which mm. is still better. It's still great. Yeah. still better than 8%, but we lost because people are like, oh, you got to invest in Canada. Eh, you really don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we're Canadian, but we realize we're not the strongest business people in the world. Yeah, we rely too much on other people. Anyway, so that's, that's my whole thing. Mm -hmm. You want an... It's never guaranteed, but strength is in the numbers and obviously not putting all your eggs in one basket, buying a fucking house. Yeah, that, that is that the is the most one basket. That is the <laughs> most important thing I can take away. It's $300,000 that you could put into a house that could go up or down at any single day or $40,000 that you can put spread out over 500 companies that, like, what's, what's the realistic ideal scenario of all 500 companies failing at exactly once. Yeah. 
Well, the thing is, your like, Pepsi's and your Cokes aren't going anywhere. Your Berkshire Hathaways, your Apples. Yeah. Um, the thing is, too, like me, me personally, like if I were to take a grand and do that now, the best thing to do would just not to pay attention to it, too. Like just pretend you don't even have it. Yeah. If you, you know what, the best thing that I always kind of encompass is whenever I get an unexpected sum of money from a tax return or anything, I just throw it into my tax-free savings account yeah. and put it in those high-interest accounts. Yeah, no, I should start doing that because I do have a and I have an account with some money in it that I is just sitting there. It's a high-interest savings account, but it's literally just sitting there. Yeah, um, it's a kind of a backup fund in case I needed it. For Canadians, money. your best bet is I believe it's Wealth Bar. Or is it Wealthfront? Anyway, it's it's either Wealthbar or Wealthfront. One of them is American, one is Canadian. Uh, for Americans, you're going to do the same thing. Wealthbar, Wealthfront, a Roth IRA. Uh, fucking give up on mutual funds. It, it is not the fucking 50s. <laughs> <laughs> More bonds! <laughs> Brain Sandwich is produced and edited by us, Tommy and Justin. If you want to hear more episodes, check out our website at brainsamich.com. That's brain, S-A-M-I-C-H.com. You'll be able to find links to our social pages such as Twitter and Facebook. So come say hi. We always reply. Also, remember to give us a review on iTunes. It helps out the show a lot and we really appreciate it. Lastly, if you want to listen to special unaired or hidden episodes of Brain Sandwich, you can sign up for our free mailing list on our site. We'll also be giving away exclusive perks and rewards.